0: Hello and welcome to Geisey AFC Radio for another podcast special. Today we're going to have a chat with AD Towers, finding out all about him and what's going on at the club right now. Don't forget, if you want to help us out at this uh, particular juncture where we're obviously short of revenue, go to the Geisey AFC website. Look for the Event Bright. Maybe you could buy AD a virtual pie. Looking forward to having a chat, so let's get on the phone and ch- catch up with Aidy. So I'm delighted now to have AD Towers on the uh, marvels of a telephone and the... Uh, shambolic geyser radio kit this seems to be holding up and, and working so far so uh, thank you eddie for uh, giving you time uh, today um first of all i think mean, the question has to be is um these uncertain times how, how are you how are the family
1: um well i mean we, we we're all we're all reasonably fitting well i mean obviously christine's in the particularly high risk group because she's got copd so she was already um self-isolating before we got the instruction to actually um you know sort of um, safeguard so she's been two weeks in the house now a bit more and starting to go slightly off her head and uh, um i i've got um you know similar problems with um all under control blood pressure and you know bits of asthma and heart and whatever so i'm um i'm sort of holding the fort. but yeah it's um you know, we the family. I've got, I've got, as everybody knows, I've got my oldest son's um, a police sergeant, so he's working. Um, my lads, uh, my other lads, working as well, and so everybody's sort of out with the house and just doing the best we can, really. Yeah,
0: doing a great job as well. It's also affecting the club as well because we've we've talked about the loss of revenue. I wonder if you can give us a bit of. Um, an update as to what the situation is at the clubs to, to what you might know as well AD, to be perfectly honest yeah I
1: mean I think I think the big frustration has been that the National League um, despite you know clamouring from the clubs I think we're a little bit slow to um, make a decision on on a on a date at, at, you know at, at which they would make a final decision also whether the season finishes or not so we're still in something of, a, of, a, of an hiatus because the um, it's just indefinitely suspended at the moment which isn't helpful to anybody really and um, I'm sure if you look at, um, you know, not just our division, but, but the one immediately below and the one immediately above, I think are the, probably the the levels that are most seriously affected by this because, um, because the, the, you know, the sort of rescue package for the Football League seems to be emerging. Um, certainly at National League level and the, the three feeder divisions, you've got a lot of clubs with a lot of contracted players and uh, suddenly the income stream simply ceases. So it's been... Um, it's been a both unsettling and scary time. I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, in the scheme of things that are happening, it's sort of a pimple on God's bottom, but the reality is that it's, you know, it's it's people's livelihoods at the end of the day. And so it's been a, I mean, James Pickles and, um, and 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 you know, the, the, the directors have been absolutely terrific to try to keep us going to where we're at. Um, we've now, um, because the various schemes that we think we can tap into, the players are now on, on furlough, um, but we did pay... Um, sort of for, for, for a couple of weeks anyway, because that was the money we had. Um, and the reality is because at our level, unlike the Football League, where you've got 52-week contracts, um, most of our contracts expire the first week in May anyway. Um, so, you know, there's been very good discussion with the players and the players have been very good in fairness. Um, and Russ and Marcus and James and everybody else have been involved in that. And, you um, the reality is, I think you know we we all we all realise that, that that every club's in a, in, a, in a sticky position, but that certainly our position because we had very little um, headline debt, um, our position is probably better than many. And also, if you look at the situation in the national north, if you had a position amongst the twenty two clubs, the clubs that are most challenged by this are the likes of. You know, the ones you would expect, the Yorks and Chesters and and, and others who have very big playing budgets compared to ours. So mm. although our problem is considerable, um, it is being managed. And if I'm honest, I'm, I'm much more optimistic. Thanks to people's generosity and tapping into various schemes, I'm much more optimistic, certainly this weekend, than I was a fortnight ago because the loss of the home games, but then also the loss of a whole range of other things. Um, potentially, I think for many clubs, will be... Well, a real cliff edge. I mean, I I would be very surprised if we get through this um, without some clubs going under. Uh, Obviously, I hope not, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if some of these mid-sized clubs like ourselves will will, will actually go under.
0: Yeah, and such a a bad situation for so many clubs. It was also a bad situation in terms of timing. We had a a big Derby fixture uh, building up uh, for that Saturday against Bradford Park Avenue, and I guess the budgets would have been worked out with uh, attendances in uh, mind. Yeah, I mean...
1: I mean pre-season, and this is one of the things that um, you know that, that was introduced in my time, but it's much more rigorous now. Is that um, Steve and the board want a, uh, a sort of a, an estimate all the time of what a particular fixture will, will raise in terms of income. And certainly in terms of well, three things, better weather, the fact as you say derby games, but also Boston who were heavily involved in the in the in the promotion mix. And also the fact that our own form had improved so dramatically. Um the loss over the three or four games, sorry, the four games was is, is you know well, certainly somewhere in the region of twenty-five K. Um but add to that, you know, the other things that we have to we have to find as well um it's a it's a major blow um but as i say um given the generosity of directors and people's attempts at fundraising and you know mick very helpfully you know giving his 50 50 takings and what we've got from catering that we haven't banked and blah um we're we're as at now we're on a on a on a as even a keel as i suspect you'll find at the level
0: and we are of course trying to raise funds uh even through these podcasts um indeed we're yeah. we're asking uh for, for 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 people to go to the event, bright. Page today, and uh, maybe buy you a virtual pie uh, at the very least, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, as I say, I mean, two weeks ago, I, I really did fear for not just us, but for, for everybody. But but um, you know, we, we we have we have um, the players have been very good. In fairness, what we've said to them is, you know, the furlough scheme, we hope will eventually provide some um, income. Most of them have got six or seven weeks left on the contracts anyway. Um, but the um, we, the league is now working hard to put together some form of package, you know, involving the government globally. So we'll we'll see where we get to. Mm.
0: It's been a great squad this season, actually. I mean, obviously results haven't been consistent, but the young players that have have performed so well across the course of the uh, recent away games, in particular, have, have really just started to gel, started to impress. That win at Kings Lynn yeah. was tremendous.
1: And I think I think the other thing is I mean I remember vividly being you know on on my um, well <laughs> until this year uh, longest uh, period in in Madeira every year talking to James and Stuart and Russ and Marcus virtually every day about the the squad we were building and um, I mean Russ Russ and Marcus are both um, you know noted for being able to um, find um, you know hidden gems to uh, to bring on but I have to say you looked at the squad and. The vast majority of whom, if I'm honest, had no knowledge of, and thinking, hmm. Um, and as ever with young kids and with you know emerging squads and players with little experience, you do what you you get what you've just described, which is ups and downs. Um, but I have to say that I think you know if you look at um the budgeting position uh, across the league because of the budgets are all now published a matter of really you know of, of sort of internally within the clubs um because of the fair play um, and financial um probity schemes we we have to report to everybody knows you know within within reason what people's budgets are and certainly on our budget We would have hoped to have had enough money to survive, but there's only really Kings Lynn who uh, they've got a top 10 budget but find themselves in second place. And ourselves who are massively overperforming. So but it's been an absolute privilege to be around the kids this season because they're they're an absolute joy. They really are. They're great to work with.
0: It was a fantastic way for us to sign off the season, which feels like we have signed off the season no matter what, what, what comes up next. Um, with that winner at Kings Lane, real backs against the wall performance. They've really done well under uh, uh, the harsher circumstances of being away at big grounds like York City and, and Kings Lane. Very vociferous.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost... Uh, I think sometimes we, we the, the squad rises to, to, to that more raucous occasion because... Um, I mean, although our, our support this season at home has been very good and has held up very... It's, it's, you know, it's higher than we budgeted for. The reality is that Nethermore can be a very quiet place. And um, the more noisier grounds, I think sometimes the players like Darlington or York, I think the players just rise to that, 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 that increased atmosphere. And I think it's also the case that if you look at how... And it's always difficult naming players, and this is only a personal opinion, but if you look at the way particularly... You know, Rhys McNally, George Cantrell, but you know Aaron, um, Aram. I mean Prince, who's been an absolute, absolute revelation since mm-hmm. he's coming. I've never, I've ever seen anybody who work harder in midfield. Um, and everybody seems to have had a had a part to play. And I think you only have to watch how both the squad on the pitch and the bench and everybody else celebrates. It really is a really we've become a really tight group of people who believe in what we're doing. And it's, it's, it's been an absolute privilege to be involved in I, I didn't think actually, if I'm honest, that I could get so excited about it anymore, but it's been a real joy to watch these kids improve. It really has.
0: Well, it's been a, a good season and um, yeah, it'll be great to see that that team, this team develop uh, over the years, but uh, your experience goes back uh, a lot further. Um, and it would be uh, great to... Yeah, I
1: think it's 21 years this yeah.
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're more than 21 years old, AD, as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. We, we, we've, talked, <laughs> uh, we've talked on the uh, occasions at different grounds over the years. Um, you know, you've know, you told me about all the different roles I've got down here. Footballer, coach, referee, manager, kit man, commentator at times, uh, board member. You've done it all, haven't you?
1: Well, I mean, as I, was, as I was saying earlier, I mean, I think I've not been mascot yet, but I intend to put that right shortly. But um, I mean, I think one of the things is, I mean, I'm sure it's too well, it is too. Isn't it? Many families, you know, if, if you're if you're if your mother and father are artists, or you know, mother and father into music, kids tend to follow. And uh, you know, we were a footballing family. My, my grandfather um, played professionally on 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 my side. My uncles played professionally. My father was a sort of, you know non-league pro, played for the likes of Worthing and. Um, and, and Gosport Borough, well, Gosport as they then were. So, um, you know, I was, I was brought up on football from a very early age. And, um, I mean, among, amongst, that, amongst amongst the family, I was probably one of the worst footballers, but uh, loved playing and, um, you know, always did, did, did the very best to uh, make a very little talent go a very long way, really. Um, you know, because of my dad's connections, my dad was big friends with um, the then Bradford Park Avenue manager, Jimmy Schooler, back in there. So I managed to get a gig there for a while in their youth sides. And then... Um, unfortunately started to go um to go um my vision started to go um which maybe a better referee later on but my vision started <laughs> to go um by the time I was about 16 and in those days contact lenses were these horrible unwieldy things and I couldn't get used to them so went down to Sheffield when I was at university um I had had, had a short period with um, with 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 Wednesday's youth team but you know with absolutely no um, no glory at all um and then Sort of, you know, moved on from there, played some non-league. But by the time I was in my middle 20s, um, I was really struggling with my vision. So, played an awful lot of local football. Um, and um, But quite early on, got into coaching and, and, and managing. So, by the time I was ooh, short of 30, I was managing sort of county am clubs and um, and also, you know, managing on a Sunday and, and had a deal of success. It wasn't as good as playing, but it was... Uh, you know watching watching players develop and um, I was fortunate because I, I managed to get some I don't know how I managed it but some really good um probably the pick of the players from Round Keith for two or three seasons and we you know we won county cups and Went to international tournaments and won them, and you know we we, we were we were really we were really you know really very good, and uh, it was it was a good time in football. I still watch guys leaving then, but uh, mainly midweek games because it was Saturday and Sunday was all either coaching or playing.
0: So so what sort of footballer were you then, AD, How would you describe? It? Where did you play? What position?
1: Uh, I was a fullback uh, in the days when fullbacks, you know, if you went past the halfway line, I once remember actually scoring a tremendous goal playing for Sheffield Wednesday's kick player Colin, you know, you you get past the halfway line and you think, well, I've nowhere to go, so I'll keep going and then then his shot into the top corner and um, turned down to celebrate, only to be confronted by um, the manager on the halfway line, halfway line saying, footballers are played to play, you're played to defend. If you're <laughs> over the halfway line again, that's you drop the following week. And that was that then, you know, that was, uh, I think I managed to score about 15 goals in about 500 games after that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, You still remember every single one, though, don't you?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Well I mean I, I used to take pens as well, so um, I was good at pens. Hardly ever missed a pen, but uh, keepers would say to me, Oh, I knew that was going, I dried the right way. Well, they might have done, but I didn't. I just used to clatter the bloody things and they went in, and that was that.
0: So so where did you where did you which which club did you think you had your best spell at? Where was where was your best success for you as a footballer?
1: Um as a footballer, I know this gonna sound slightly bizarre, but uh, we have a, we I'd come to Keighley and um I was by that point in time, I was a sort of a middle ranking um, civil service manager, but we had a, a really close relationship with um, the staff at the local newspaper because obviously we were covering, you know, DSS court cases and all that stuff at the time. And so we almost had like a merging of um, it was almost set off almost as a, as a, as a drinking club. I mean, we were playing football, but it was just a, a drinking club um, and the Keaton News, which was about maybe about half civil servants and half journalists. That was on a Sunday, and it was only Sunday League. I mean, we were you know top division round here, and we did all right in county cups. But it was the, it was we we developed a really good side, and over about six or seven years in the area, we won almost every Sunday competition it was possible to win. We went to one season completely undefeated, which was you know tremendous achievement. I don't care what level you're at, you know, going through a season Mm. undefeated is tremendous. And um, from there, then. sort of moved into into kids football really, my first coaching jobs were in kids football and very successful with Longley Juniors and then very successful I, I ran the Keithley FA side for a couple of years and we were successful uh, did some work with the county FA uh, where we were successful as well and then uh, found myself down at Bradford City running there, well not running but coaching their 14s and 15s so the transition to coach was was quite, was, I, was quite I was quite young when I first got involved um, um, and still playing as well but um I mean my favorite club uh, that I was ever at besides the guys the f c was stateney f c where we had an awful lot of success there as well um got this great bunch of kids that had been along the Longley junior side that i managed and um they came through at stateton and again we um it's all right, it's only step six, but um you know we, we played some great football and uh, and it was it was a pleasure to be involved in and most of those kids after left me, it's almost like the model that we we're involved in now. most of those kids went on to play. Semi pro football at a good level, um, which was, you know, I, I take a lot of pride from it, if I'm honest. And uh, I'm still friends with nearly all of them now, you know, mm. which is also really nice.
0: Yeah, well, we had a, a, a good opportunity to have a, a, a chat at uh, a Steeton game earlier this season when Geisey were, were, were called off. We had a blank weekend. Yeah. And it, that was where I didn't realise that this is it was through your connections with Steeton that you, you got the connection into Geisey.
1: I have a lot of good friends down at um, a lot of good friends down at Staten still, and lads who played for me uh, the management team now all all played with me and for me when 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 I was at Steyton, and I'm uh, I'm still I think a life vice president or something at Steyton, but uh, lovely club and nice people. Um, but yeah, what happened was um, I was also refereeing in my sort of thirties, and how I got into, I mean Phil Rogerson then chairman, and uh, you know um, still um, you know heavily involved in the community side of things. Um, Phil um, was aware that I was refereeing as well as watching guys, and he asked if I'd come over and um, start refereeing some of the academy games, but also the uh, the under-16 side that involved his um, his son, Matthew. So I'd regularly, on a Sunday or midweek, be refereeing, um, uh, refereeing games, um, you know, four guys, like the sort of bought-in home referee almost. Yeah. Um, and then Phil just out of the blue um, one day, the, um, the then academy management had um, had stepped down, um, Colin and, and and his colleague who'd had great success uh, with the academy, and um, so myself and uh, Mick Chambers stepped in um, and took over a side that um, had some, it wasn't at the same level as this academy because the, the academy structure wasn't the same, but um, they were in the Alliance League and um, we had a number of players who were already, you know, very, very, very good young footballers, but were the likes of Chris Davey and uh, and, and, and others, uh, Danny Forrest and others, who all, you know, went on to play quite a lot of first-team football. Um, mm-hmm. And although the travelling we were doing wasn't as much as now, um, you were still entering, you know, the sort of FA Youth Cup and various bits and bats. Um, so, yeah, we had a couple of good seasons doing that. And then um, passed it on to James Earl, who, who took it on another level, really. Um, James, um, I think James was probably um, the first sort of... Youth coach I ever came across who was really well qualified, as well as being a goalkeeper with our first team as well, and he and he's now um, sort of like national head of various bits of football development. So he's very done very well for himself. But mm. lovely, lovely, lovely lad, James, and uh, you know he, he brought he brought the the sort of football structure of the club on below the first team on massively in in a, in a couple of years.
0: Now, in all of that conversation, the thing that strikes me is knowing your um, ability to have a vociferous and um, firm opinion (laughs) and advice to officials um, is uh, is referee. How did that come about? How did you get into refereeing?
1: I broke my leg for the second time when I was, uh, it was 1985. So I'll be 33. And and the FA, um, because I'd been a pain in probably every every referee's, um, you know, if he'd ever refereed me, probably. Uh, In fact, there was a joke at one stage where I suspect my contribution to the County FA were employing at least one person in the County FA uh, (laughs) annually. Um, Yes, I was vociferous, but if I'm honest, also I was horrible, dirty get as well. So um, it was, uh, you know, the the sendings off were... I mean, the best ever was... um, we once had a, quite a famous local referee who was on the Football League and I was I was in a, you know the um, the area cup finals that you have, you know, mm-hmm. when somebody like John Mossel do the um, mm-hmm. the Walfe LFA final. And um, I actually had <laughs> seen this guy on the telly and sort of said to a couple of colleagues, oh, God, it's him, we'll get nothing today. And um, the words were perhaps a little bit more choice than that. And uh, I managed to get myself sent off in the warm-up. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, well, I just, I, I, I was suggesting that the guy wasn't desperately competent. Anyway, he said, Have got something to say about it? So I indicated that, yes, my view was that he wasn't desperately good or words to that effect. And he said, Would you like to repeat that? And I said, Well, are you FFF deaf in addition to everything else? And uh, yeah, didn't even get to the kickoff.
0: <laughs> I bet you were popular.
1: Uh, yes yeah especially in the days of one sub um, so uh, but no I, uh, then interestingly um, the, the FA were doing, they've done it since a couple of times where they're trying to fast track people who've played into refereeing mm. and so within two or three years it was a different grading system but within two or three years I got to be a, a grade one which was just sort of as that's as far as you could get in terms of grading. So, yeah, refereed at sort of, you know, unibond, well, uh, yeah, unibond sort of level and early rounds of the FA Cups. And at that point in time, there was no national, there was no conference north. It was just the, the actual bad, well, the, the GMVC had started as a national league. But yeah. refereeing unibond games was, uh, you know, it was a really good standard. And um, and it was great as well, by the way, because you were much less under scrutiny. Um, you could referee in a sense as you'd played and mm-hmm. you could, you could... Um, Man manage in a in a different way I think from from people now and um, it was a it was it was truthfully a great experience I mean I w- I won quite a few awards as well you know referee of the year in various leagues and this that and the other and genuinely proper enjoyed it but but I was all the time I was taking my badges and still doing bits of management as well and um, as I say it sort of it 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 moved on from there really you know and then and then it still got me more and more involved at Geisley. Uh, and then. I mean, my first manager at it was uh, was Bobby Davison, but um, you know that that ended you know in the relegation season at the end of the end of the twentieth in uh, the twentieth century, and so the first managers I got close to really were Neil Parsley and uh, and and Clyde, who you know they they taught me loads about um, managing on, on a shoestring at non-league level. They, they they were they were terrific in terms of you know people to work with, really really proper, you know able to duck and dive and manage on a shoestring and. Um, where they got the club, given the lack of budget and the dilapidated ground and all the rest of it, it was that was the start, really, of things turning around, I think.
0: Because mm. they were pretty lean times, weren't they, in the uh, early 2000s?
1: Well, oh, I remember vividly going up to uh, Blythe on a Tuesday night, and uh, Blythe were winning the league. It, it, it should be about 2004 or five, And um, we literally had uh, a starting level a starting level 11 and one 17-year-old sub. hmm <laughs> um and you know the, yeah that was how bad it was but i mean i think what people forget about that time as well is that um you know phil and Stuart um allen um were essentially running the club on their own with no other financial input and the fact that we managed to, you know, we were massively batting above our weight. Everything was on the shoestring, but there were good times. And also, I'd say, Pars and Paz and Clive, in many ways, were a lot like White like Russ and Marcus. They were able to persuade players who could get more money elsewhere to play for less money because, you know, we'd never stand in anybody's way. If if an opportunity came along, then, you know, players would move on. And that's just how it was.
0: And there were some really big moments uh, in those periods as well. Like, for example, the FA Cup run that us to the, the first oh, round yeah. against Luton Town.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and the bus breaking down on the way there and, you know, um the bus running out of petrol on the on the motor on the motorway slip road and um yeah, I mean I mean we went down to Luton and truthfully, you know, we got we got absolutely smashed, but the money we made from that, it's no exaggeration to say that, you know, it saved the club. The club the club was in was in mm. was in dire straits and, and that, that cup run, um and you know, as as I never hear the last off from now even now, you know, his goal against Tamworth uh, that got us there. Um, that that saved the football club. It, it you know it turned the football club from because I think had we gone back down to Northern Counties East, which was really on the cards, you know mm. the sort of I don't think the club in the form that that I knew it even then would have survived. You know playing with no disrespect, but playing Sackley or Ecclesill, you know just just wouldn't have worked. Because
0: mm. of course in the in the nineties um, it was a, a side at a second tier of non-league football, so that would have been a, a, a long way to have declined. Even then. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think I think I think that the, the other thing that people forget is you know that Gary and Gary Gary Douglas and and, uh, and and John Gill who were around at the time and 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 were you know were instrumental in the in the funding of that period of success from the eighties onwards. Um, they'd gone, um, you know, d- d- their interests had changed, the businesses had changed, and so um, you know Phil Phil and Stewart absolutely you know kept the thing ticking along and, and did the most wonderful job.
0: Mm. So from there to where we. Eventually, rose uh, through the through the through the, the pyramid. Um, that that must seem, when you reflect back on it, like such a, a, an unexpected turn of uh, fortune.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember the, I remember an end of season do when it was still Neil Parsley who was in charge, but but I think he was already aware that that um, that Steve, Steve Parkin and Gary and um, and John were on the way, you know, what Steve on on his way in for the first time, but the other two on the way back, and um, I remember I remember we'd, we'd done all right this season. I think we'd finished about tenth, 10, and you know, the end of season deals were very low key, but there was this this air of optimism that, that then you know that, that we got involved with, and then if you look at the players that came in sort of you know in, in the next couple of years you know the very idea that somebody I don't know Stuart gray or somebody will be playing for us i mean mm-hmm. you know celtic barcelona and Geisler, for god's sake you know it's, um it is uh, it's just remarkable and and, and the way the, the way the club turned around and um, i mean obviously you know paz went, went his way and and we and we got terry in um i mean terry dolan was a was a complete change from everything i'd ever been involved with before because by that point in time um, you know, I was I was I was backstage and you know sort of on the team bus and just helping out in terms of well everything from kit through to you know little bits of setups and whatever. But Terry was a an absolute an absolute eye opener, you know, because his, his experience was all football league, and his professionalism or whatever at the time was something that was just just like wow, you know, this is this was really something. But um, and, and he, him and him and I think the, the, the role that that, that Mega Ellis played in that as well I think is something that people don't give due credit to because Megar was a very good coach and again got a lot of football league experience and used his contacts to get people in. So um, I mean in the end it didn't work out for Terry either, but he certainly he was the he was the the change. He was the catalyst from what the club was to what the club then became.
0: Mm. And then uh, working with Steve Kittrick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve. I mean, if I'd honest, if I'm honest, the first time I met Steve, I'd never heard of him. I'd be lying if I said I had. Um, I mean, Steve. St- um, I mean, Stuart Allen was the uh, was the the sort of major push behind getting Kitty because he was aware that Kitty had great success at Osset Town, possibly even more, if I may use the term, polishing a turd than had happened before. <laughs> I mean, Kitty could take a a really bang average player and turn them into a into something that was. If nothing else very difficult to beat, but had a real sort of team spirit, real ethic, real tight bunch of lads. Um, and and also, I mean, by that point in time, because of you know the, the, the money um situation massively improving, he was also able to, you know, to 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 get in a better class of player as well. So I think the other thing about Kitty as well is I mean, Kitty's one of the nicest men I've ever I've ever met in terms of you know, if it was his last quid, Kitty'd give you because he was just that sort of a guy. Um but he was also lucky or clever, because all his assistants, um, whether that was when Ben or, or, or Tomo, or, or you know, ultimately Chris Holland, all brought a massive amount to the party mm. in terms of um, what knowledge they brought with them. I mean, I think the one that gets the least credit in that is Tomo, because he was absolutely meticulous. He'd be watching the game every night. He knew everything about every player ever playing against. You know, everything about timings with team buses, everything about Tomo was absolutely meticulous to the nth degree. And again, he one of the things that's been fascinating in this this sort of journey has been almost every management team i've worked with has improved the the way we approach games mm you know, you know warm up was a bit of a kickabout on a stretch um when I first arrived 2 to how it is now where it's you know it's almost a piece of science and uh, but but the, but the one the one that the one that started to change that was 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 tomo and then again Chrissy Holland also took it onto it onto a different level but then you know Chrissy Holland you probably heard the quote from David Ginola, that that Chrissy Holland was the best organizing midfield player he ever played with so you know he's going to bring something to a party you <laughs> know
0: yeah that's a heck of a quote isn't it yeah. I mean, I, I think back to those days uh, with the football that was played was, was so exciting and um, incisive, that 4-2-3-1. I particularly remember a night at Altrincham um, around Halloween and uh, I think we won 3-1, we turned around a game, but some of the goals were phenomenal. James Walshaw, yeah. um, uh, Josh Wilson, I think uh, also at the time, just some fantastic football and, and, and a great team.
1: Well, I mean, I sat that night on the—I was because I'd, I'd done the pre-match, um, you know, the setting up and the warmth and the kit and everything. Along with, um, I think by then it was Bob, um, but it's only the it only quite small benches at at and at, um, at I was sat on the on the back row. And Joy Barton asked if it was all right to come and sit on the bench with us, and um, you know, because Joy Barton mm. um, was Josh's, um, I think, uncle. Um, um, but I, we, I watched the game, sat next to Joy Barton. And even he was saying, you know, go, oh, this is they play some good football these, don't they? And um I think that was what was good about all those um all those ditty teams. You know, they they, they all, all play good football. But then if you look at what he recruited, I mean if you look at you know, Wally through the wonderful Jamie Clark, Andy Oldsworth, um, you know, Lloyd bless him, Kieran Turner, mm. you know, I mean, just just Danny Ellis, just good footballers. I mean, H. H and Danny Bosch for me are the two there's been two better midfield players at the level, well, I've never seen them. Yeah. Um, Andy Oldsworth, just what a footballer. What a massive respect about Andy as well. He's, I mean, he's a friend, good friend still, but I'll never forget when we got promoted, finally, and, uh, and H was, you know, his, his body was held together with sticking plaster by that point in time. He really was struggling. Um, and he said, right, that's me. Yeah, We've got up, and that's me, because I know I can't hack it with my body at the next level. And I think, so much respect for both him as a player and as a human being but also because of that decision which says I'm not going to rob a living and I, I massively respect him but no I mean we had some great players I mean I remember talking to Kieran Turner on a team bus and you know he's on about you know we we're playing somewhere relatively big it might have been Chester or somewhere in some I think it was a year that Chester won the league I might be wrong but it was certainly we were going to some you know biggish stadium and mm. I was excited about it and I said to Keyes so, you know, these sort of games, you still get nerves. Well, yeah, yeah. So I get a bit of nerves, yeah, yeah. And uh, in his wonderful Northern Irish draw, uh, And he said, Well, so what's the biggest game you've ever played? And he talked about it And he said, um, Played for Northern Ireland in the Maracanã And he said, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, there's any number of stories. because we've got those better and better players, mm. you know, like Jamie Clark, who, who played at a very, very good level. And, 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 you know, what a footballer he could be on his day. And, you know, the first proper long throw we ever saw, at guys. But some of the football, just wow. I mean, just wow. But we always seem to have the ability to just. I know we eventually got promoted, but that the inability to to win those biggest games, I mm-hmm. think, was the was the the probably the shame really, because Kitty, you know, Kitty brought the club a long way,
0: and we we it just didn't work for us, did it? it, it the right no. seasons um where we got such a, a points tally, I forget, but behind Chester. Yeah, um, we would have gone up. We would have other got season.
1: promoted every other season, but that
0: season. Yeah, uh, we were just uh, unfortunate to a certain extent, so it didn't work out. And of course, the start of the season, there, uh, um, I remember we had Sky Sports down doing a, a special for non-league day and uh, talking to uh, to to Kitty about his longevity. Had been at the club for six years, and they're saying it's oh, yeah. just a feature of non-league football. and uh, that was the game we played brackley lost and and it was his last game at the club so of uh, yeah betrayed. I mean
1: kitty at the time he'd you know he'd, he'd had a couple of fatalities in the family and um he was having you know he's very busy with his mm. businesses and uh I think it was just it got to the point where and I, you know I know this from personal experience you know you'll suddenly be talking to a dressing room and you think I've said this before and hes aren't listening anymore mm. uh and I think that was that was probably you know where we, where it got to it was a shame how it ended i mean what's good now is oh so, you know um you know you see Kitty at games all the time now and um you know after that difficult period it's um you know we're all we're all back really good friends again and that's that's nice because he's a lovely manager, Kitty.
0: Yeah it's great to see him at the ground that, but then Mark Bauer stepped up to the stepped up to the fray and that was a, a new yeah. era and that and, and, uh, heralded in uh the uh, Yeah well as you know National by that League. point
1: in time I'd sort of stumbled into the sort of general manager stroke ultimately chief exec role and um um, I obviously instrumental in getting Bows and, and Bosch in and um I was I said to you, huge respect for both of them. And, um um Bosch certainly at that period it was as good a midfield player as I think I've ever seen him, but also at the level but also his connections were fabulous because he'd played you know around Grimsby and Oldham and, and and Lower League clubs. He just knew everybody and everybody knew Bosch and uh, that team that they sort of amplified the players that they brought in um was um you know was was it was, was again was a joy to watch i think i think it was a sticky start to say the least mm. i remember we were sort of altering and we just got smashed and mm. we'd taken a good few people with us and they unsurprisingly advised us that they weren't um desperately satisfied or words about effect <laughs> and um it was so bad me and martin actually had our arms around each other in the middle of the pitch so i mean the idea that i'm actually cuddling martin martin good lord uh, but you did really wonder you know how we we're going to turn it around and then we got something against Histon, and then um, from there on, it just it just flew. And um, it was Danny Bushell coming back, wasn't it? As well, that, that kind of yeah, re- yeah
0: changed the dynamic of the team after the Altrincham game against that North Ferriby side that were flying at the time, and we turned them over three-two at their place.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget the conversation with um, I'll never ever forget the conversation with um, the Altrincham chairman. With you may be surprised, I didn't get on with that well
0: because that's where Danny uh, Bushell was at the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: saying um he said he's coming to us and um we know he's under contract to you, but he says he'll never kick a ball for you again. Um doesn't want to lose, you know, fall out on good terms, but he wants to have this management opportunity at the end of his career. And um it went on for a few days anyway, eventually we uh, we you know Bosh Bosch came back and uh, completely changed how we were playing and then obviously others followed, you know, good players followed. So
0: Yeah, it was tremendous, wasn't it? the 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 turnaround we almost went up. That season, um, lost out to him and then the following season, well, there was that that and uh, game we'll never forget at Chorley.
1: No, uh, I mean I have to say that um, we were so unlucky that day. I mean, we we because we knew the traffic could be awful. Uh, myself and because James by that point in time had obviously stepped into, you know, he was he was on his on his way up was James within the club, and uh, we got there early and set up in those. Awful, dripping, green, smelly, unlit dressing rooms at Charlie. Um, um, I once played a pre-season friendly there, and I swear that the only thing had changed was the light bulb since I'd played there. Um, anyway, the team bus <laughs> turned up late. We'd got sickness in the camp. Um, the pitch was deliberately wrecked so we couldn't play football on it. Um, Ollie Johnson wasn't fit. Um, the referee wouldn't delay the kickoff. Um, we, I unsurprisingly had a something of a spat with the officials. You really? Um, yeah, virtually every official I could find, actually, referees, <laughs> um, the league, everybody. Anyway, um, I'll never forget that day though. Not just because of the fact that we won, but you look at our end with our bruised little club, and this mm. God knows how many people on that on that end at Charlie, out singing the home fans, and I thought, Do you know what, we're not that little really. And um, awful, awful, awful first half. I mean, we were dreadful. My resignation speech was written. (laughs) Um, And then suddenly the game just, you know what? And it changed because of two things. One, because they started time-wasting and also because the half-time talk. They deliberately cut our end up so we couldn't play on it. Do you remember they had a penalty shootout or something in our Mm -hmm. our attacking half? Right, yeah. They then failed to come out at half-time on time, which I think pissed the referee off. And um, suddenly, in the blink of an eye, it changed. And um, if there was ever a Marmite footballer in history, it was Big Dicko, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: But um, the thing just changed. And wow. Yeah. Just wow. I'll never forget that ever. I'll also never forget, and I, and I hope Steve will forgive me for this, if he ever, I don't suppose he'll tune in anyway, but we, we've, we've done it and we've gone up and on, Everything's gone on and, you know, we're, I'm on the pitch with, with, with Steve at the end and I've, I've, got, I've got my bloody blazer on because I'm chief exec and I don't want my blazer on, but I've got it on. And Steve says to me, what have we done, Eddie? What have we done? Because <laughs> the National League, national is just a different thing, isn't it? Just yeah. a different animal. But, yeah, that day...
0: It was absolutely fantastic. And then yeah. to 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 think back though to that day, and then what came? I mean, the the foreboding that you spoke about there, yeah, or it played out. That first season was tremendous, but then it was tough, tough times, wasn't it, in the national league?
1: Yeah, I think what people don't realise, and you realise because you put the you put the miles in, and after this is not just because I'm speaking to you, but you know, huge respect for both you know the supporters who who put the many many thousands of miles in, but also. You know, example when you went down to flame in Dover and they wouldn't even let you broadcast. You know, that sort of thing is just that's people don't realise how much effort and commitment goes into it. They also don't realise from the players' point of view how much effort and commitment. And I think that's the thing about the National League with part-timers, is that trying to finish work on a Friday lunchtime or indeed not being able to and having to drive down on your own to Eastley or Dover and then mm. you know, not getting back well after midnight and, and, and it just in the end, on a on a on a on a big budget. Compared to what we'd had, but with part-time footballers, it just it just gets too much. And the first season, I think the adrenaline kept us going. Well, I don't think it did. Um, and then you know the, the 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 miracle the miracle survival at the end. Well, that was all wonderful. And I think that first time around, the adrenaline kept us all going. I remember saying to um, we had a we had a board meeting not long afterwards, and saying to the board and Steve, absolutely agreeing. You know we can't go through that again because we won't get away with it again, um, and then somehow miraculously we did. But but it, it certainly it it the longer it went on, and I mean I mean you know same argument as Kitty almost Bows and Bosch who've gone on to do well since with Park Avenue. You know again very hard conversations around. Well you know that's the end of the road. Although it's interesting when people have been in the program as long as they had, and indeed when you speak then about Adam Lockwood and Dave Penny and you know. Um, other people there's only three things happen to football managers out there you know either you're successful and so you get to a bigger club you're successful but then you fail and you get sacked or you retire th- th- those are the only three things so I think the longer you, the higher up the game you've been like Bows and Bosch just accepted it Lockheed and Pens ultimately just accepted it because that's just football you know Mm. Um, but certainly the, the, the last season I mean, Lockie, Lockie coming in, bless him and, and and pens, I mean same thing, you know, you look in the dressing room and say who can possibly do this, well if there ever was a leader of men at, at the level we're at, it's Lockie, I mean, wow what a, what a, what a strong figure Lockie was mm. and also knew we he needed help, he'd got no experience so bringing Dave Penny in, I mean Dave, Dave again took it to a different level he, meticulous to the point of checking every example, checking every ball, that they were all blown up the same um meals in hotels just how they were pre-match meals uh the kit the the, the arrangement of people's even down to boots and everything just so it's just you take all the hygiene factors out so it's as perfect as it possibly can be so i learned a huge amount of of, of well everybody i've mentioned but certainly off of bows Bosch, locky and pens um they, they're just again they bring the expertise that you've got to have lived to be able to bring and um You know, I mean, again, in in Lockie's tenure, you know, the 6-1 win over York, wow, with a floodlight failure. I mean, what a night that was.
0: Yeah, incredible, wasn't it? Incredible.
1: Beating Lincoln, you probably gather, was quite close to my heart as well. (laughs) I think it was close to many of us. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Because I think that's what people forget about that as well, is, I mean, not just the Lincoln thing, but um, if you look at those management teams, you know, if you wanted to have the the Kitty and and Chrissie H and Martin then, um, Bosch bows Martin me, then Lockie Pen's um, Martin me. If you want to have a spat, that's a good group of people to have a spat with because nobody's walking away, are they? Mm, yeah. And um, you know we had a real togetherness, and um, it, it was it was just a shame in the end that um, you know it, it, it sort of it, it, we had the idea, well the the the, the correct idea I think, and we had it been handled perhaps differently that we need to go full time because you don't get enough time with the players and work gets in the way and all that stuff. So, um, but it, it was, yeah, well, there's some great times with, with with Lockie and Penn, some great times, um, you know, really, really good times. And really, really, I mean, I'm still in touch with, with Dave Penny, you know, most weeks as is James. Uh, Dave's been really helpful to James, you know, in terms of, um, Dave's now the chief exec at York and mm. he's been very helpful to James in terms of, you know, carrying on the stuff that you have to carry on to make sure you don't because I think the football administration side of all of this is the thing that you've got to get right. I mean, Bruce, um, who I took over from, originally a secretary of the football club, one of his mantras was he'd never had a, a fine or points deductions or anything and all the time we've been doing it because he did it meticulously. Hmm. And I think that's the thing about... James, we've got a record of, you know, I didn't tease our cross. And it's, I mean, the way James has, has, has carried carried the baton is um, under a lot of pressure, a great deal of pressure. Um, he's he's moved the thing on, you know, from from my tenure to, to James, it's got better and better, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and right now, it's great to have, uh, get, have him uh, at the helm, as it were. Uh, yeah. whilst uh, we go through these you know, really difficult times. Um, and, and, and it's interesting your point about Dave Penny. I think that was really obvious as well to those watching on the sidelines, such as myself, those perhaps less informed. But um, you could see the organisation in the build-up, the, 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 the routines, the, um, the, the way that the uh, back line, for example. I remember at Sutton United was being worked through by Dave and uh, Dave Penny, and um, with the introduction of Connor Brown on that day, who yeah. unfortunately scored yeah. an own goal. Um, yes, but but you could just see the organisation and the, the 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 rigor that was going on.
1: I mean, he ruffled a lot of feathers, did Dave, because of it, because he was such a perfectionist that if it wasn't just so, then it wasn't happening. It was going to be just so, and so um, you know there were there were a few people in the club that felt he was he was very. Um, over pernickety, but the fact was, that was his experience at Southend and Derby, and I mean, people forget, I mean, Dave was a, what would now be a, a Premier League footballer, and uh, if you watched him kick a ball, even in his, well, I don't know how old he would be, but it, wow, he could strike a ball still, perfect strike on him, you know, good touch, um, and 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 so, yeah, he, he brought a whole new range of professionalism to it.
0: So, um, obviously, we we sadly went into a very difficult season, uh, the era with Paul Cox at the helm and full-time. And and, and that, I mean, I I don't really know if we need to go over that too much because it was a pretty gloomy old period at Guisey. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think once you get
1: to number 49, you know you've got a problem, don't you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. But Sean St-Ledger, who was one of those players that was brought in, um, then stepped up and, and certainly gave us a bit of a a uh, boost towards the end of the season, a bit of pride back.
1: Sean, Sean, uh, again, you know, I was involved in in sort of the, the you know, who is in the dressing room that we can, that we can trust. And Sean really wanted to get into management, had a glittering career. I mean, your World Cups and, you know, what, yeah. what a, but also, um, what a, a thoroughly organized and decent young man, Sean was, didn't need the job, you know, got a few quid, um, I'd seen out his career, um, had been offered jobs already on the sort of scouting side rather than the coach a bit coaching as well. But just came in as a breath of fresh air and he, he at least he, he certainly lightened the mood. He'd a way of playing. And I'll never forget when we finally won a game after, you know, horrendous period and, and he got everybody on the pitch and 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 just said to everybody, big huddle involving me and James and um, and, and, and Ash Proctor who taken over from Martin by then. Big huddle and it was pissing with rain. It was absolutely awful. Right. We've all forgotten how this feels. Remember how this feels and for the rest of this season let's put a smile on the, paper, the faces of these people who are decent enough to watch us. And um, the brand of football was good, I thought. I thought we... I thought we give it a right good go. We were down. Mm. We all knew we were down, but we give it a right good go. And then, you know, you go to Torquay and you win, and you think, yeah, you know what? We, we you know, it might it might have been a bit of a whimper earlier on, but this is not a whimper now. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna go down showing what we're about.
0: And upset Jeff Stelling along the way, didn't we, by beating him? Oh,
1: <laughs> Jack, one of my all-time standout <laughs> moments. Um, I'll never forget his, his comments afterwards. He, um, while we were sorting kit out and whatever. Uh, I'll never forget just the whole, the whole, how can a club like Hartlepool possibly be losing to these? We <laughs> outplayed them, Colin, you were there, we yeah. outplayed them. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and uh, I, a lot of the, I stand out memory also of, um, he had this big daft car as he would have and uh, we're leaving the car park and um, James <laughs> James Pickles managed to burn him off in his car on the way out of Harlepool. It was joyous. <laughs> so we won the race out of Harlepool <laughs> as well.
0: James picked up three points there as well. Yeah, little we? victories, you know how it is. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: I'll also never forget there, do you remember um, pouring with rain and we got there early again, we were setting kit up and making sure the game was on because people couldn't believe the game was on because of all the floods. But we got up there and... Um, and uh, we um we um got there and there was a little like a police exercise, I thought a bomb must have gone off. And there must have been a hundred and fifty coppers and stewards and we said to this police inspector, um, is there something special about today? And he went, oh, it's because you're from Leeds, it's a category A game. <laughs> and there must have been a copper and a half for every one of our fans. It was just utterly remarkable. Uh, yes. Um, yes. But yeah, that was a high spot, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: that was that was great, wasn't it? And then recent times, of course, uh, we've had some some uh, we had some tough times, didn't we? In the, the the first season back down in the north, it was uh, it was uh, obviously marked by a great FA Cup run. Um, but for a long yeah, time, yeah, I think what
1: people forget as well is having gone down. Um, you know, you've a number of players who. I mean, people forget that this is an industry, and you, people, we've gone down, and you've got people on two-year contracts, and you've got people on two-year contracts that, truthfully, we can't afford, and they were not they also weren't Russes and Marcus type players anyway because they like to develop, and so we had a really sticky period of unloading players. I mean, some players mm. good as gold and got themselves organised and, and went. Other players more difficult to deal with, not unreasonably because it's the living and they've got to feed their families and pay the mortgages. So, but yeah, the the um, the turbulence, the change around all of that. I genuinely feared in that um, close season and in the early part of last season, I genuinely feared we might lose the club because the the headlines in terms of what the playing debt in the sense of contracts was, mm. was, was something that we couldn't bear. And, um, but we got through it and I mean, massive, massive uh, respect to the management around that, but also James who, I mean, I don't think people realize how much pressure James was under at the time, you know, in terms of just, literally the back of the rain where you've got, you know, two lone players a week and players in and players out and, you know, midnight phone calls and, um, and then through Sean there's a fair deal of churn as well. But then moving on into into last season a lot of churn at the start of the season and it took us a while to get a settled squad um, I think it was noticeable by the end of last season that we were we were improving though it got more settled and the results got better towards the end of the season it was just a bit of a bit of another squeaky bum wasn't it really at the end of at the end mm. of last season but in the end of this survived comfortably and uh, you know we've we've this season it's been a, as we said at the start it's been a completely different animal
0: so looking back what do you think the uh... The best times you've had at Guising. When do you? Where do you look back and think that was? They were. They
1: were. They were the greatest. Um, best ever, I think. Um, best ever performance, I think, was the demolition of Telford mm. in the season when Telford won the league and six-one. Um, yeah, and, and Liam What Liam Watson's style of football, and I've told him to his face, so this is not, you know, if anybody, if you happen to hear him, I'm not going to get sued. His style of football is complete anathema to me. I just can't do with a style of football. And and actually destroying them on the night was, was a was a massive plus. Hammering York um was a was a unbelievable night. You know, when you consider York where I've been with Spurs and then turning them over, I think never losing to Stockport, um, with a chairman who disrespected us every time we beat them was wonderful. Um, I think great times down at the likes of Torquay where you've not only had a good weekend, but I need to get three points as well. Um, but the high spot, and I'm going to say, this is, sounds a terribly platitudinous thing, but the high spot for me, Colin, is the crack. It's the guys, the family. It's all the wonderful people you've met over the years. It's all the players. It's all the helpers. It's Brian, Jove's, Brian Dove's jokes on a Wednesday. It's... Um, you know watching Bob or, or or Dave Brayshaw who can turn the hand to anything literally. I suspect if you want an atom bomb, they could build you one. <laughs> um it's watching kids develop, it's it's the crack on the bench, it's just the whole thing is just I mean, I've said to you before, I need football a million times more than football needs me. I just love it. Mm. Mm. And, I mean, there's been some low spots as well, There's yeah, Some well, real low spots,
0: so. Yeah, I, I just, I just think that's a, it's a, it's a, that's a, a great, you know, testament to the club, really. Um, but yeah, there have been some tough times. I mean, we're going through a tough time right now. Let's not, let's not be around the bush. No. Everyone is. But what's been uniquely tough at Geisley? Um
1: Well, I think, I think, I think uniquely tough, I think, was the, was the. Um, I think I think it's I think it's the losing of friends in a sense, you know, like where, where Phil steps down as chairman and goes down south, somebody we've worked with for years. I think it's, you know, sadly departed people, you know, mm. like Michael Hill who passed away, or Gladys who passed away. Mm. Um, but I think it's I think it's sometimes, I don't think until you're in the game, I'm just, I'm sure it's true for any sport, I don't think you can describe the depths of despair that you can have on a Saturday night from losing a game and you rerun it in your mind and you and you you you, you agonise over it, and I tell myself I won't ruin the Mississippi Saturday night, and I always do, because I can't get out my flaming <laughs> head, and and that's a that's a never ending sort of ache, isn't it? Like a never ending pang. Um, I'm still pissed off that we lost to Telford this season at home, and, you know, <laughs> and, and and as I say, it makes me angry, and you, 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 I think I think it's that. But the the highs and the people and the crack and the jokes and the stupidity and the practical jokes and everything is just terrific, isn't it?
0: Yeah, life's greatest irrelevance, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, you you mention it there, your family, you, you, all these roles: footballer, referee, coach. You know, refereeing, coaching, managing, uh, behind the scenes in every conceivable role. You know, your family there. How's football versus your family played out? Not fit versus your family. How have you how have you managed to fit the two?
1: Well, I'm lucky because um, Christine's just absolutely tremendously supportive she was when I played she was you know when I was when I was various places like Longley and Steeton and Bratford City and all over the place she's always been great as long as there was a a holiday annual with a bottle of wine most nights (laughs) you know she's always been terrific um she accepts that a massive chunk of me is football I'm lucky because all my kids are into football and um um, you know, I mean, more with the Spurs angle, but I mean, obviously, Jessica's helped out guys, and Matthews mm. helped out guys. So, uh, you, you can't, you can't do this. I don't believe you can do football unless your family is mm. at least prepared to, um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a gritted teeth, smiley sort of way, supporting what you're doing. Um, you, you couldn't do it without them. And as I say, Christine's been wonderful over 50, well, not not 50 years, but 40 odd years of being married. And um, I had nine months off the first year we got married because I was sorting the house out. Um, and that's the only time I'd, I've had off since I was what, probably fourteen. So you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that. But I think that goes for many of us. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, uh, it's a great testament, isn't it, to, to, to the family and support that makes you be able to do these things. Look, looking forward now to uh, wrap up. Yeah. Um, what's the future like? What would what, what, what you look forward to next? This will, this will pass. This, this coronavirus. What well, you, if what I'm honest,
1: what I want to happen now is I want the season to be declared null and void. Um, I I know that's you know going to upset some clubs who are towards the top of leagues, but how can we restart when players are out of contract on in the first week in May? Those players aren't even our players, so mm. I know that will apply to lots of clubs. But uh, you know, for me, there's so many more important things at the moment. So I hope the thing passes by, you know, June time, um, and I hope that we can then. Um, we can then, you know, start again. I th- we've already had conversations with most of the players and uh, hopefully most of them will stay. And I just hope, you know, come the end of the summer, we're playing friendlies and we're back doing what we do. But I really do want this season to be um, to be put quietly to bed because I think there's just, it, there's, there's too many pitfalls, but also there's just things far more important than football in, the, in this in this, these few weeks.
0: And for you personally, AD, apart from putting on the mascots kit...
1: Oh, um, do you know what? I'd, I'd 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 love because people have told us that this is the level that we're at. I'd love to see the ground develop further, and I'd love to see us have the infrastructure and the um and the I mean the way we're bringing kids on and the various relationships we're building in the academy, this that and the other. I'd love to give the national League another go. With a full-time squad, but a very much more, um, almost like the um, the sort of model that Kidderminster used for a few years and managed to, and Solihull indeed managed for a couple of years to be at the level with with not not mega stars, uh, a budget you can manage with 12 or 1300 people there every week, with a redeveloped ground and uh, and a massive smile on our faces, and uh, that's what that's that's what that's what I'd I'd love to achieve. I just would love to give it one more go.
0: AD, I'm really grateful for the time you've uh, you've given us. Don't forget, if you're grateful too, why don't you go onto the Eventbrite site and uh, buy Ady a virtual pie or a virtual <laughs> beer? I'm sure he'd appreciate it, and it'll go towards the club's funds to keeping us uh, going uh, into a future that uh, who knows where we might end up. But uh, hopefully, indeed, following your dreams, there, AD. Well, thanks very much for for yep. for, for everything today and everything over all of the years, and. Uh, We uh, will hopefully uh, be speaking uh, again very soon. Stay safe,
1: everybody.